It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. I'm Rob Murphy, your home for all the Connacht Rugby podcasting coverage. You can hear the rain in the background. This is Parky Scarlet's. The lights are still on the stands. They're very much off on the pitch. There's a bit of music coming from the bar. A happy set of home fans. This is not a happy venue for Connacht anyways. The last time Connacht Rugby won a match in Clenetley was in the old Straddy Park when Mark McHugh kicked a drop goal in the old Celtic Cup, which only lasted for a couple of years. I remember listening to it online, 2002, on the stream from BBC, from BBC Radio. That's one for, to ask your granddads about. Certainly is, streaming in 2002. I think that competition lasted one season. Mm. Um, we didn't do too bad, we won the we game. Got to, we, got, we got to the semi-final, yeah. and Mark McHugh nearly won the semi-final. Edinburgh, wasn't it? Darren yeah. Yap had a load of tries. Yeah, 50-metre drop goal, which actually shaved the underside of the post oh. of the sports ground. It actually rubbed the underside of it. I remember it so well. Oh, that could have been a breakthrough moment for Connacht. Hey, listen, we started this podcast. That was the voice of William Davis uh, in better form than maybe we should be, because that's disappointing, William. We'll talk more about it in a second. 18-10. Scarlet's won by eight points. Yes, they did. Uh, it was disappointing. It was a poor performance at times with Connacht. Very inaccurate. They got themselves back into the game in the second half, and they didn't, didn't see it out. Lindley McKenzie will be joining us in a couple of seconds' time. Here's some snippets from the game and some post-game audio. You're going to hear a bit from Andy Friend. And from Owen Masterson, Connick's try score. All need to be recycled. A little bit disorganised for Connick. There's plenty of players going towards the breakdown, not lining up in the back line. They're expecting the forwards to just do pick and go in around the fringes. My word, they're so close. But no try yet. A metre from the Scarlet line. This is going to be the turning point if Connick can't score here. And they really should score in around the fringes. They're just trying to see if they can get the opportunity and they have scampered over Connick get the try their first in the game 12 points or I should say 15 points to 8 with a conversion to come and it looks like it was Masterson Connick have got the try and they're back in this brilliant from Masterson he was involved twice in the build up to that brilliant from the Connick forwards brilliant from Finley Beelham as he goes off and he's going to be replaced by Dominic Robertson McCoy in those moves he had some good carries in there but the whole pack were involved and they have turned the tide. This game is back on again. Daly comes on after the sin bin. I can't remember the last time Connacht have come out of a sin bin period, having scored more points than the opposition. Yeah, well, the substitutions have made a difference. Dennis Buckley's made a huge difference. So has Kane Marmion. So that's what they've got to. That's what they've got to concentrate on now. They're back in this game. Connor Fitzgerald with the conversion, 15-10. The restart from the Scarlets. Jared Butler has knocked it on. And their Scarlets might have felt that one of, the, one of their, their players was taken out in the build-up to that. Well, it worked out okay for them in the end. Butler didn't expect that ball to come true to him. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes, Jared Butler, but that one will irk him. Yeah, that's, that's just a concentration issue. And it is disappointing to see that happening just at that situation. But Connacht have just got to defend and get through this now has just presented slow ball. Scarlet's ball, five metres inside the Connacht half of the field. That knock-on and the restart has given them a platform. This is going to be the biggest test of Connacht's defence of the entire game. Can they withstand a bit of pressure? Rawlings with the carry. Scarlet's have got a penalty, William. That is big. 15-10, soon to be a two-score game again. High tackle. Yeah, that's, that's, that's just really poor. It's just disappointing when that happens. And it came from it came from a mistake. They had managed to slow the ball down for the Scarlets, but they didn't panic. I don't know who actually did that tackle, but the referee was very quick decision. 
And I think this is going to kick for the post, you would think, here. Here's the chance for the penalty. They'll tell me behind him if he's got it, and he has, and it's the Scarlets. Dan, Dan Jones with the kick. 18 10. Straight away responding to that big, big score from Connick by putting two scores between the sides. Owen, uh, yes, tried to put that into words really because it was some battle out there and to get nothing from him must be really, really disappointed. Yeah, we're obviously very disappointed. Um, we felt we put in a great pre-season. It's been a long pre-season and we were, we were itching to get going and uh, felt the week's training went really well and um, felt we were in a great position to, to win the game and um, felt we got off to a good start as well. Um, obviously conceded two tries there in the middle of the first half and with the conditions it was very difficult to, to get back into it. It was all about field position and in fairness to them they played quite well um, but it feels like a big missed opportunity for us. Yeah, most because there was a period in that first half they got that first try but you just seemed to be starting to get control. The pressure in defence was causing them to make mistakes and then that second try was a killer. Yeah, probably a, a little bit against run of play. Um, we felt comfortable in defence. Um, kind of I'd have to look back and see how the tries came about but uh, felt we were comfortable in defence felt we were good up front front the line out defence was very good feel we were getting a lot out of our mall as well so it's um, kind of hard to put our finger on it uh, as to where we actually lost the game um, probably it comes down to they took their chances and and we we didn't we took we we, we huffed and puffed um, to get to get what they did and to get to get anything sorry um, whereas they probably were a bit more efficient with their opportunities no question about the best period of the game and it came during the Sinbin ironically enough but a lot of domination and then got that try you know, it really looked good at that point. Yeah, it's just a few few moments um, can really swing can swing a, a big period of play. Obviously, we got the yellow card, but then I think we got a penalty and got into field position and managed to get our mall going and got a penalty, 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 and then managed to get our pick and go game going and uh, we managed to get a try. Um, so yeah, like with the conditions, it was all about the field position and, and whoever whoever had possession in the right areas of the pitch tend to dominate for for um, for long periods of time and. Uh, <laughs> Even despite saying that, it feels like we had we had good periods of dominance. Just as I said, probably weren't efficient with our chances. And the uh, dreadful conditions to start the season. It's tough to chase a game in them. So I suppose those last twenty minutes were made all the harder by that. Yeah, the conditions weren't what we've been um, what we've been playing in the preseason. But that's no excuse. You know, we we had our chances there in the first half and uh, ten through or twelve three at half time and um, yeah, missed the game and missed opportunities. Yeah, certainly so. And I guess defensively, Connick were putting a lot of pressure on the Scarlet, it's forcing mistakes, especially after that first try. The second try seems to be a really important point in the game where they took the initiative and Connick couldn't. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I thought uh, they took those little moments and opportunities much better than we did. We had our chances down there and we, we had to work really hard. They defended very, very well. I just thought maybe their kicking game was a little bit more clinical than ours. And, um, uh, you know, in, in these conditions too, you need a kicking game that's quality and we probably lacked that a bit better now. Yeah, is that height and distance that you're thinking about there in terms of the time they were able to leave it in the air and also where it landed? Yeah, I just thought that you know every kick they put up, or, or most of them anyway, seemed to seemed to fall with uh, defenders arriving as our players were going up, whereas ours we were giving them 
you know, 10 or 15 metres of, of opportunity to catch the ball and then move it and do something with it. So that's something we need to work on. It was a, an area of concern last year. Um, I thought some of our exits were good coming out of the 22, but it's in between that 22 and halfway where we just need to be more clinical with that. We were trying to balance that uh, game and maybe assessment of it through the prism of okay, Connick just assessing themselves and the mistakes they made and that kind of opportunity against a pool rival or missing World Cup mm. stars. So how do you balance that? Yeah, that's the frustrating one. Yeah, we, we know how important these um, the pool rivals are and we we certainly were aware of the yeah, the, the, the fact that the Scarlets had so many players away, but that takes nothing away from those Scarlets men that turned out there tonight and you know they're a proud uh, a proud province and a uh, proud region. Where whoever pulls on that jersey is going to go well, and uh, you know, credit to them and, and Brad and his coaching group with what they've done with them. Beyond the kicking, have you other elements that you're already kind of thinking about that you want to hone in on, or do you think it's going to be watched the video and learn? Oh, listen, I, I just thought, um, I, I thought we released the pressure on them. You know, when we had them under pressure, we, we allowed them to get out too easily, and that was whether it was our a penalty that we give away, or whether it was a, a knock on, or a, you know just a, a simple error, kick into touch, or whatever. But on too many occasions, we just made simple errors that you could, I felt like we're about to turn them here, and next thing, you know, we'd release all the pressure, and then they'd build it back up again, and you know, it was just a game of that. That was the voice of Andy Friend before him, or Masterson before him. Well, that was me and William in the commentary. And now, joining us in our perch here, looking out on the pitch before we get kicked out of Parky Scarlets, Lily McKenzie. Good evening, Rob. Good evening. What time is it right now? It's ten to eight. We have a two-hour drive back to the hotel in the rain, but it's beside Bristol Airport. We will fly out at eight o'clock tomorrow morning. We love our job, so it's good fun, but this is a bit of a, a tough trip, especially when Connacht have lost. We'd be in better form had Connacht done better, but it just didn't happen, did it? Yeah, it was. It, 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 I think it was unexpected. Having seen the pre-season you know, games, particularly the last one against Munster, I don't think you know, Andy Friend would have written that script for how poorly Connacht played in the first half. Mm. It's funny you say the first half because for the sec- for the third quarter, if you like, even with the Sinbin, it was Connick's best period of the game. Uh, but they didn't build on it then after getting that try. Well, the, the, the first 10 minutes, Connick's first 10 minutes in the opening half were, you know, they dominated ball. They had plenty of ball. Defensively strong. Defence, yep. Had, Go back to our first yeah, half. Yeah, but didn't get, it, didn't get anything out of it. I thought the second half... Uh, the subs certainly, the replacements certainly made a difference. There was a strong bench, I think, from Connacht today. And I think they did make an, there was a, a greater impetus in, in the second half, I think, particularly from the forwards. I thought the forwards were quite impressive in the second half and they literally took control. Their scrum really laid the platform for, for their points. And I think they basically threw the pack. They had something like, I think it was a four or five penalties in a row at one stage that could have resulted possibly in a yellow card, all inside the 10 metres. Didn't even result in a conversation, which is frustrating me, if not now. Especially since Tom Daly got caught. And I know he was, it might have been just, uh, you know, a deliberate knockdown. Maybe it just had to be a yellow card. But I think that was coming from accumulation of penalties as well. So that was why it was frustrating. Yeah, I hear you. Overall, we're not blaming the ref, though. No, I wouldn't blame the ref. I just think Connacht, for whatever reason, just didn't perform as they had expected to perform. You know, it's all very well having all these, you know, warm-up matches. But when you come into the, the, the competitive cauldron, it's slightly different, you know. And I think that there was a, a, a lack of, you know, f- clinical sort of efficiency with Connacht today. And they just 
didn't seem to be able to find any holes or gaps. That said, Scarlett's defence was very good, but I just think they lacked, they made mistakes. You know, I, I just think, you know, as maybe as Andy Friend said, it just, you get days like that. You most certainly do, William. Was, I just want to pick out some moments then, because Lenny took us back to the first half there before I start moving on to the second half. There were periods of play after, they, after Scarlett scored where we were starting to feel a little bit optimistic about where Connacht were. You know, they had weathered the storm, they were easing their way into the game. And the aggression in the tackle, we mentioned McCartney a few times and Jared Butler in that sense, Colby Fyeng as well. That was giving us a, a sense of optimism. Well, it was giving us a sense that Connacht were, were getting into the game a bit, but any time they attacked, uh, there was a number of little errors came in, and it was a bit ponderous. There was very little happening in midfield to actually break the and ask really serious questions of the Scarlets. Uh, the wingers weren't involved at all, really, particularly in the first half. He had a cup, had one moment, and you just like you want to see a few more of those moments, and he never got the ball. There was one attack in the first half. Sorry to jump in again. Where. You know, Connacht had forced a knock-on from the Scarlets. Ball came loose. They went to the back line. And you said this yourself. Came out into the hands of Tom Daly as it was. And instead of keeping the momentum going on this turnover, he just kind of kicked a grubber kick into touch on the 22. It kind of summed it up. That was very odd because Connacht had been doing well in the scrum. Mm. So why not just spike the ball or stop it and take the scrum? Ah, there you go. And it just kicked it away. And the referee obviously immediately said advantage over. Um... The second half was better, but the problem was when they got the try, they immediately made another mistake. Gerard Butler dropped the kickoff. And really, from that moment on, the momentum then shifted back, and the Scarlets just worked their way through their phases. They kicked a couple of penalties. They missed one penalty that you could almost find unbelievable that they missed. And <laughs> Connacht didn't really trouble them. No. Um, yes, things improved a little bit. Dennis Buckley improved things when he came on at the, at the breakdown area. Kieran Marmion added a little bit. But it was all individual. There was no real substance of a, of a team thing. It was guys doing individual things. I know they were chasing the game. And in these conditions, both sides were just kicking the ball pretty aimlessly because you didn't want the ball. I mean, it really was appalling weather. I asked any friend about the kick in game, or in particular to kind of because he highlighted it, uh, you know, to hone in on what it was, and yeah, it was distance and it was, you know, not enough height and just the chase. Just was disappointed. He felt the Scarlets had the edge there. I think the Scarlets had the edge, you know, all over the pitch. Quite frankly, <laughs> um, I was. Well, why really? If, if Connacht were going forward, the backline was an issue, wasn't it? Because I mean, as you said yourself, the scrum was good. There were some areas where Connacht were getting better. Then you have to look to your backs. Then you're giving you go for a ball. We need to get more from them. Yeah. Well, I don't. I think early on, some of the kicks I thought were maybe a little bit too long. Okay. They put the ball back straight into the hands of the Scarlets, who you know give Scarlets ball, and they'll lo- you know they'll love to run with it. Mm. So I thought some of the some of the kicking was wasn't great, but I think. Interesting enough, listening to uh, Brad Moore, just before uh, when he was chatting there, he was saying that their intention was to get ahead and then knowing what the weather might turn out like to be able to defend, to be able to sit back because they reckon, he reckoned that if they got their noses in front, then they should be able to be able to see it through. Yeah, those conditions, hard to chase a game, but then you don't knock it on on that restart. You're gonna, that was the turning point of the game, wasn't it? 15-10, great try. 14 men. As I said to you, I can't remember the last time Connacht came out of a sin bin period having scored more than the opposition uh, in terms of being down to 14 men. So, you know, that was really encouraging. 
Yeah, it, it was. But, you know, small things like that can change the emphasis of a game. And I think when they when they look back at this, uh, there were missed opportunities. There was a couple of lineouts, five-meter lineouts, that some of them worked well, some of them didn't. The driving mall didn't get set properly a couple of times, and it got really scratchy. And even to get the try, it was hard, hard work. Mm. But Well taken in the end, you know, by the forwards, Masterson did very well to finish it off, Beelham was good in that, lots of them. Yeah, and of course, a couple of, there was there was disruption as well. I mean, Colby Fianga went off, Owen McKeown went off mm. after a very odd line-out that was tried. I don't really know what happened, you'd have to see it again. But yeah, he, he tried a tricky, a trick move in the line-out, but it just went wrong. Yeah, and he unfortunately seems to have injured his ankle or his calf, so it, it did get unsettled. Ulton Deland finished up in the back row. Uh, the two locks had to stay on throughout the game. I think they were absolutely exhausted because Thornbury and, and, and Rue did give Connacht some go-forward ball. But the bottom line is, when you come here and I know Connick don't want to focus on this, but when you come here and they're missing all these players, you you feel you're going to come away with something. And in the end, Scarlet's have four points and Connick have none. Yeah, and it was acknowledged afterwards by both Andy Friend and Owen Masterson that there's opportunities there that are missed in these situations. I would note as well in the wider chat that we had with Andy, I did ask him about Tom Farrell and he said, look, <coughs> as far as we're concerned, Peter, Robin." and... Uh, Kyle Godwin and of course Tom Daly were you know just better in the last few weeks and that's why he was select, uh, selected or that's why he missed out in selection uh, but he has been emphasising that that's going to happen all the time big name players are going to miss out over the course of the season and they'll come back in we, we're going to hone in on it because the backline didn't play that well it's a bit easy for us to sit up and stand and say where's Tom Farrell but you know they see things we don't see He's going to be in the rake up next week, I'd imagine. Well, look, we can Monday morning quarterback as much as we want, but what struck me was that in, in midfield, all the Scarlets really had to do was make tackles. They weren't asked to do anything more than make tackles. And if you're only asking aside that, if they can't do that, they're going to lose. But when, But if that's all they have to do... They weren't put under any real pressure. Kicking game was was Connacht kicking game was poor. It wasn't accurate enough. You've got to get a chance for your chasers to get up there. To be fair, the Scarlets didn't kick brilliantly either. Um, but it's it's just small things, and it, it'll come down. You know, you could tick off five or six small things. Um, and I, I I was a little surprised that the referee didn't actually at least go to Sinekley and say, look. You're giving away a lot of penalties on your own line here. Yeah, that we, we said in commentary. And then, yeah, I don't have a problem with Tom Daly's one. But look, these things happen. Uh, it's it's an unhappy hunting ground for Connacht. And they've, just, they've got to come back to Wales in two weeks. And, you know, the Dragons, that could be an interesting evening for them uh, as well. I think, overall... Uh, you you just would feel disappointing. Yeah, I think so, Lindy. Uh, that's well summed up. Conor Fitzgerald uh, had his moments, uh, but of course, when we're talking about the kicking game, you're going to be critical. But that's what you have with a 21 year old that you're trying to develop in the out half position. We have to have patience, I guess. But this is a World Cup year; it provides opportunities. The last time there was a World Cup disrupted season, oh, neither go on. You know what happened, but you do get that sense of opportunity, especially with a team that surprised a lot of people by making the playoffs last year. Well, the only thing I would say is that you know. Even in, even in it's game one, and even in Pat's, Pat Lamb's winning Pro 12 era, um, Connacht didn't beat Scarlets here in Park of Scarlets. Mm. So if we could just cross this one off, move on, and um, learn from some of those lessons 
out there today, and I'm sure, I'm very sure that they'll be going through them. The fine tooth comb on Monday. Because, yeah, like, moving on then, Benetton are coming next Saturday at Sports Ground. It's going to be good buzz. People dying for a bit of rugby. It's a long wait since uh, the last game, which is going back to April. But from that perspective, the kind of errors we saw here, Treviso had a battling defeat uh, to Leinster despite all the players they're missing. You've got to be careful with that game. Yeah, they were pretty, it was a very close game, yeah. wasn't it? The Connacht are going to have to be on their guard. Oh, absolutely. And I have no doubt that Connacht will be a, a different... Well, I would imagine Connacht will be a completely different side next week at home at, against Benetton mm. after... You know, Andy and, and coaching staff have, have gone and dissected this game and oh. where things have gone wrong. You might see a few changes. You would expect to see a few changes. Um, certainly, I don't think the, the midfield just didn't seem to, to, to really gel. There was not a great incisive fifth, as, as William said. They just didn't ask questions of that defence at mm. all. Yeah, very much so. All right, well, and discipline was probably an issue at key points as well. There were some penalties that you just you'd shake your head at and say, we should have been better in that situation. All right, next week, yeah, we know Treviso are coming. This week, though, for all involved in Irish rugby, it's been a... Well, today's been... I don't know what to say. My word, stand in the airport watching Ireland news to Japan. That was tough to watch. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, it was a chastening, a chastening experience. Um peculiar game, they were 12-3 up started losing collisions, I, I I thought there was a lack of leadership out there, the players looked very tired, some of them, I was really surprised that Rory Best was expected to go out again having played 80 minutes last week I, I don't know what that says about where you are with your reserve players uh, and Japan were well worth their win they, they worked hard around the field they spread Ireland wide and again, Ireland just didn't ask enough questions. And when you know, when you go two tries up in a game, you sort of expect to win that. But to be honest with you, from about seven, eight minutes into the second half, you kind of felt this is only going one way. The only thing they got out of it was they got a bonus point. And if they win their two remaining games, they can still actually top the group. They'll need to Ten win. Ten points them. guarantees you a, a quarterfinal, yeah. so two bonus point wins, and they're there. So thanks to the good work against Scotland, they've got to get out of jail card. Then. They have, um, but they're going. They have to be concerned about that. Overall, there's not a lot of consistency in Irish rugby in the last eleven months, really. No, they've they and when it goes against them, when it when it turns, they don't seem to be able to turn it back. Mm. Um, yeah, that's it. It seems like the pattern of a game is set. It's either going to be Ireland dominating or being really competitive or things are going wrong and, and no one knows what to do. Yeah, and they can't fix it on the hoof. Mm. Um, Connacht today, just to bring it back. What, like, I mean, there was moments there. Daryl Leader came off the bench and had a good impact. Jared Butler made some good decisions at key points. I don't know. How did you... There was look. There was there was bits of it. I'm trying to see if there's any parallels. I was looking for Connacht yeah. to try and sort things out, but there weren't really. I think... The bits of it, there were some good bits, but the but the key bits, they didn't win the key moments of the game. Particularly, they had a couple of attacking lineouts. They just overthrow. They didn't work. Their driving mall didn't work. Uh, they're fixable, but you you need to get that in place before your game actually starts. Yeah, I switch back. Lindy's asked me who are we talking about. I hope the listeners oh, stick with us. I know I'm just bringing it back. I'm bringing it back, Lindy. The, the only thing I will say is, Lindy, I have to ask you this question. It's a tough question. It's possibly critical of the management, but you leave good players like Dennis Buckley on the bench and Kieran Marmion on the bench. I mean, he says he has to rotate his squad, but could we have hit the ground running with our like world-class scrum half who shouldn't have been missing out in the World Cup from our perspective starting? 
Thoughts? Well, you know, Andy Prenn said he learned a lot last year about the Pro 14 and about the teams and about, you know, European competition. And I think he's still learning because it's possible, it's just possible, and I don't know, that he saw what we weren't privy to all of their games in the pre-season. He saw these players. He thought, we're coming to, to, to Parky Scarlets. They have 15 players missing. I don't know, but you would have thought you've got 15 players missing coming to Parky Scarlets. You can put players out who you believe will do the job. And he believed that they would do the job. He sees them in training. He knows their mental state. You know, He knows whether they've done all their preparations right, which is, you know, and, and Connett management do put a lot of store in the way that this team prepares itself and their mental attitudes. So he chose those players on that basis. Mm. Now, you can ask the question why didn't... Dennis Buckley did come on and they did come on in the second half and they did make a difference. You know, look, it's a squad situation. You you have to give players. You have to give players their opportunity. Unfortunately, some of those players just didn't take it today. Yeah, it's not a criticism of Blade who didn't play poorly, but, you know, just curious. All right, that's it. William, not much else to add. The wind is picking up. We've got a two-hour journey ahead of us. And our listeners have lots of other things to listen to. Although I did say it's the third season we'd have short podcasts because you'd be wanting to listen to loads of Rugby World Cup podcasts. I have a funny feeling I won't be listening to too many Rugby World Cup podcasts for the next couple of days. Yeah, possibly not. But, uh, yeah, like it's onwards and upwards for both teams. I suppose it's... Uh, Ireland are in action against Russia on uh, Thursday. Maybe they'll have a look at the video of how Connacht beat them. <laughs> there you go. Right, that's it from us. Lindy, thank you very much. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> really bad rendition of the Piers Rappin' going on in the background. <laughs> right, that's it from me. That's it from us. It sums up the day. It sums up the day. Driving in the rain. Folks, we'll talk to you next week. Loose. Cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes Sad